We're in Deer Park, Texas, just outside the city of Houston. Specifically, we're at a tank farm right off the Houston ship channel. No, not that kind of tank. These aren't weapons of war. They're chemical storage tanks. They're storing chemicals that are about to be shipped out. This particular tank farm is owned by the Intercontinental Terminals Company, or ITC. On the morning of March 16th, 2019, two trucks containing butane rolled up here. They started pumping the butane into a tank of naphtha, a flammable chemical used for all sorts of things, from laundry fluids to cleaning supplies. They're trying to stabilize the stuff to increase the so-called octane level. A higher octane level just means you can squeeze more of this stuff together without it exploding. It's a common practice for chemicals about to be shipped. In this case, ITC was prepping for a ship to arrive and pick up the product the next day. That sounds nice, a little cruise. Some high-octane naphtha just hanging out in the Gulf of Mexico. Anyway, the pump remains on throughout the night, mixing up the chemicals. But just before 7.30 on the morning of March 17th, ITC's control system showed several unanticipated changes to the pump pressure and the tank volume. That's according to a report by the Chemical Safety Board, the federal agency that investigates chemical disasters. So the pump pressure and the tank volume change, but no alarms go off. The pump keeps pumping. And at some point, a leak starts. 9,000 gallons leaked in half an hour, according to the Chemical Safety Board. And remember, this is highly flammable stuff. But still, no alarms go off. No alarms. It's just a quiet Sunday morning in Deer Park. And then... Deer Park Police, this is Brandy. Yes, ma'am. We just got some alert of a shelter in place, and I see a big fire behind us over near the Shell and Lubersoft plant. Can you tell me anything about that? Sir, we don't have any additional information other than the shelter in place right now. A fire breaks out. The thousands of gallons that just spilled found an ignition source. A plume of black smoke billows up from this chemical storage facility right along the Houston ship channel. Hi, Brandy. I was wondering, is there any shelter in place over off of Independence? It's a Sunday morning around 10 a.m. Phones start buzzing and ringing. There's an emergency order to shelter in place. There is a shelter in place for the city Deer park if you live on P Street or north of P Street. Oh, okay. Because, okay, we do. Um, okay, so yes, ma'am, then you are under shelter in place. The 911 dispatcher has very little information for the residents who just want to know what's going on. All we can tell you is that the city manager's office and the emergency management office have requested a shelter in place. The calls keep coming in. Yes, um, is there a shelter in place over here for Deer Park? I'm a resident. The message is the same each time. Yeah, stay home. They request you not to be out and about to uh, make sure your doors and windows are shut and turn your air conditioners off. What's going on, baby? Do you know? Uh, we just have an incident working in the industrial area. Other than that, I don't have any information. I'm sorry. Uh, so do we just stay put? We can't, we can't leave or anything? Correct. How does this work? I'm over 11 miles away, and that stuff is just all over us. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at So, I mean, golly, that's a big area, and I'm wondering how the heck is running all this. I mean, we got to get all this information to the citizens. Not everyone even has a TV or speaks English around here. Texas Public Radio and Houston Public Media have spent the past half year reporting on the ITC fire and other chemical disasters. We've met with victims and regulators. Combed through investigation reports and public records. To answer the question, why are there so many chemical fires and explosions in Texas? And what, if anything, is being done to prevent more? 
I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh with Texas Public Radio. And I'm Katie Watkins with Houston Public Media. This is part two of Fire Triangle, our four-part investigation into chemical disasters in Texas. So in part one, we talked about what the city of Houston has done to improve chemical safety. But this fire happened outside city limits, and the state of Texas holds more of the power over a site like ITC Deer Park. What are they doing with that power? Is the state of Texas keeping Texans safe? But back to Deer Park. So with the ITC fire, something called a piping manifold malfunctioned while the butane was being pumped. That's according to the Harris County Fire Marshal's office. The Chemical Safety Board hasn't completely finished their investigation just yet. The piping manifold is just a series of pipes and pumps used to put chemicals inside the tank. Right, right. But again, no alarms went off before the fire. Even though there were apparent problems about three hours before the fire, which caused massive disruptions. That fire erupted at a tank farm operated by Intercontinental Terminals Company just east of Houston. It spread to multiple tanks that contained the components for gasoline. By 1 p.m. on Sunday, the whole city of Deer Park is under a shelter in place. That's more than 30,000 people. By Monday morning, four more tanks are on fire, then two more by the evening. And these are giant tanks. Millions of gallons of petrochemicals are burning, sending toxic smoke into the air. By early Wednesday morning, around 3 a.m., the fire is finally extinguished. But there's been so much smoke in the air that every school in Channelview Independent School District, Deer Park ISD, Galena Park ISD, Laporte ISD, Pasadena ISD, and Sheldon ISD, six big school districts serving tens of thousands of students, all the schools in these districts close. But the fire is out, so that's good. Well, on Thursday, Deer Park is still seeing high levels of pollutants in the air. Elevated levels of benzene were detected near the scene of a massive fire at a petrochemical storage facility. They have another shelter in place. And all six of those school districts remain closed. And then on Friday... And it's not just what's in the air that has environmental groups worried. Those tanks are near the Houston Ship Channel, which empties into Galveston Bay. A wall collapses, spilling a mixture of chemicals from the tanks, as well as the firefighting foam, into the surrounding waterways, including the Houston Ship Channel. Right, and this is when the Coast Guard gets involved. Part of the Houston Ship Channel is closed. A big deal. Yeah, the Ship Channel is really the economic backbone of Houston, and pretty vital to the whole Texas economy. There's another brief fire on Friday, some more pollutants detected on Saturday, and then things finally get back to normal shortly thereafter. After six days of disruption. And an incredible amount of pollution to the air and to the water. We met with some people who were affected by the ITC fire, even though they live 10 miles away. People like Juan Flores. Well, uh, I've been through a lot of explosions and stuff in my lifetime living out here, but... uh, You know, a lot of smoke. It was burning. There was no control. He's a lifelong resident of Galena Park, which is on the other side of the ship channel. You know, we saw the plume going over our house. My kid got sick. He never gets sick. It made me really, really sick. This is his stepson, Gene Vega. He was 16 when the fire happened. My whole chest, it just hurt a lot. And every time in the morning, it would hurt again. I also had a really sore throat. It's just not a very fun experience. The intense chest pain lasted about a week. I was wondering if it was going to like shorten my lifespan or if I was going to have any like chronic effects. 
I didn't want to end up having some kind of, I don't know, lung problem some way down the line. And he isn't the only one who felt the effects of this fire. My name is Patricia Gonzalez. She lives in Pasadena. Pasadena is a bit closer to the Deer Park plant. Right, but she lives on the far end from the fire, so we're still talking about 10 miles away from that tank farm. There was a plume of uh, black smoke that came over parts of Pasadena, and um, it continued for a couple of days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Part of Wednesday, again on Friday. So I got sick with my asthma getting worse and uh, just having problems breathing just from the stuff that was in the smoke. Hospital admissions for asthma rose by about 65% compared to the same time in 2018, according to Harris County data. And that doesn't include people who went to private providers like Gene Vega. ITC accepted individual claims for up to $750 of medical costs, but they won't tell us how many claims they actually paid out. Now, it's not like Patricia Gonzalez and Juan Flores are taking this lying down. They've been fighting back against pollution in their area for a while. Right. Gonzalez is the founder of Caring for Pasadena Communities. And this is exactly the type of thing she and her organization try to warn the community about. We try to help them in reference to environmental hazards and also um, helping them and not only learn but to be aware of what's in their surroundings. Especially because a lot of folks in Pasadena earn lower incomes and are uninsured at higher rates than the rest of the area. Right. And these chemical disasters can lead to really expensive doctor's visits. You know, when there's something that happens, we try to be there for the community so that they can know what it is that's in the air. So it's now getting to the point where here locally, we have to get together as a community to defend ourselves. This is Juan Flores again from Galena Park. He manages the Community Air Monitoring Program for Air Alliance Houston. One of the major environmental advocacy groups in the area. It collaborates with smaller groups like Caring for Pasadena Communities. And one of their goals is to find out the truth on the ground when it comes to air quality. When a major chemical disaster unfolds, the EPA will often fly a plane around with air monitors over the area. And the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality will drive a van around and do spot checks. So will Harris County. So there were like three different things coming out, three different reports. So it's like, okay, well, who do we believe? What do we do? And here's the thing. These types of measurements often happen only during a disaster. So Flores and Gonzalez feel like their communities don't have a clear picture of what's going on with their air, unless there's an active fire or a recent explosion. And even then, they don't trust that the reports show what's actually going on in their immediate neighborhoods. So they're purchasing and setting up their own air monitors. The point is you want to monitor it before there's an explosion. So if there's anything that's being released in the air from the chemical companies, we're aware of it ahead of time so that way we can prepare the people in that community and letting them know what's in the air, what they can do about it, and how to fight. Gonzalez just wants to know what's in the air. So does Flores. When we spoke, he had just gotten a new air monitor. I can show you one. Do you want to see one? Yeah, I'd love to see one. Well, let me bring it up. I'll bring it up. So here's the $8,000 monitor. Can't lose this. Air Alliance Houston is helping fund these monitors. The organization gives resources and guidance to communities, and that allows community members folks like Juan Flores and Patricia Gonzalez, to take action. Ultimately, these monitors can't prevent a fire or an explosion. The broader purpose is to measure day-to-day pollution. But they want to use that data to prevent the chemical industry from expanding in the area. 
we all know where there's pollution. We know it. I mean, we've said it for years. You can smell it. We experience it. But, you know, the official TCEQ and they're going to be like, well, what proof you got? That's where we're getting these monitors because this is scientific. Scientific data is coming out. We're going to track it. We're going to keep it and show it. And that way they can't tell us anymore. Well, you know, you're just saying it is. What proof do you have? We got proof. This is how we defend ourselves. So assuming nothing goes wrong, like a power outage, these monitors will show pollution data during, before, and after chemical disasters. And this time, Flores will be able to trust the numbers. So Jean Vega, Juan Flores, and Patricia Gonzalez live about 10 miles away from the fire, and they felt the effects. Draw a circle with a 10-mile radius around Deer Park, Texas, and you have nearly 700,000 people. Hundreds of thousands of people were affected in some way by this accident. ITC faces several civil lawsuits. The state attorney general even filed a lawsuit against the company. Yeah, and ITC also faces five criminal charges from the Harris County DA's office. But that case hasn't gone to court yet. So could anything have been done differently to prevent it? Well, remember, before the fire, no alarms went off, even though there were clear problems. We reached out to ITC about this. It sent a written statement that says the company is working with the government to find the cause of the fire and is taking appropriate steps to maintain safety. Hmm, appropriate steps. We asked the spokesperson if ITC has installed monitors or updated its computer system with an automated alarm. The company says it has made enhancements. But, ITC says, those enhancements may not have prevented the fire. So... Aside from individual companies, who's responsible for preventing these disasters, these chemical explosions and toxic fires? Well, to paraphrase the state's environmental agency, don't look at us. So who should we look at? That's next. Fire Triangle will be right back. When they're talking about politics from studios in D.C., why does it seem like what they're saying is disconnected from what we're experiencing here at home? On the next edition of the Texas Standard, we'll be talking about the political issues of the day as they look from a Texas perspective. I'm David Brown, inviting you to join us for the next Texas Standard. Katie. Dominic. Fire Triangle. Before the break, we talked about the 2019 ITC fire. The thick plume of black smoke lingered over the area for days, and hospital admissions for asthma rose by about 65%, according to Harris County data. So who's responsible for preventing these types of accidents? It's an important question for business, public health, the environment, and taxpayers. In this case, Harris County wound up spending about $2 million responding to the disaster. And that figure doesn't include what the state of Texas spent. ITC shut down the Houston Ship Channel for a number of days. It shut down its fellow uh, facilities nearby, its neighbors, for a number of days. Impacted the reputation of the entire industry and caused us to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in, in responding. That's Toby Baker, the executive director of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. That's like the state-level version of the EPA. At the federal level, the EPA is just one of many agencies that handle chemical safety. But in Texas, 
there are gaps in chemical safety oversight. Frankly, we've had to answer uh, for the process safety failures through, uh, through those events that are really outside the bounds of our authority. Baker spoke at a commissioner's meeting back in September. We first noticed these comments in the Texas Tribune. At that meeting, he expressed frustration. He said some people think TCEQ should do more to prevent chemical disasters. But according to him, it can't. You heard him say process safety failures. That's an important phrase. Process safety is a whole branch of chemical engineering. It basically boils down to this. Chemicals are often dangerous. There are a lot of moving parts at chemical plants. Process safety is about preventing chemical disasters. So in Texas, who's in charge of process safety? We're not a process safety regulator. Um, At the end of the day, we regulate emissions. Um, We regulate discharges. We regulate pollution. I think that this this challenge causes confusion with the public. Um, It causes confusion with the press, and it causes confusion with the legislature at times. In other words, the state's environmental agency doesn't actually tackle the root causes of fires and explosions. It's not their job. Now, there is another big chemical regulator in Texas, an agency that actually has a hand in process safety. And it has, frankly, a really stupid name, which is why folks might not know what the heck it does. We're talking about the Texas Railroad Commission, the big RRC. This is from an RRC documentary. Spurred by the passage of the Federal Interstate Commerce Act of 1887, Texas farmers called for legislation to create a commission to regulate the railroad. Railroads were a big business back then. And in Texas, oil and gas would soon follow. The state legislature decided the oil and gas industry also needed a regulator. This marked the beginning of the commission's role in the regulation of the Texas oil and gas industry, launching a relationship between government and private industry that would stimulate growth, prevent waste, and contribute to greater cooperation within the industry, eventually creating a model system for oil and gas regulation worldwide. The agency eventually got involved in environmental issues. And eventually, it became a primary process safety regulator for the oil and gas industry, as well as the mining sector. Each time the commission attempted to enforce new regulations, conflicts arose. But it doesn't regulate every chemical facility in the state. The Railroad Commission told us that the fire at ITC Deer Park, for example, falls outside its jurisdiction. And it doesn't even regulate railroads anymore. It has such a stupid name. It regulates straight-up oil and gas, not the many, many byproducts of oil and gas. But Texas is petroleum country, so that's still a huge jurisdiction. There are dozens of oil refineries and thousands of oil wells across the state. Plus all the storage tanks. It's a huge, huge industry. Millions of barrels of oil flow through these petroleum facilities every day. And this sector, just like the rest of the chemical industry, has accidents. Last year, an oil well exploded in Burleson County. It killed three workers. There have also been explosions and fires at refineries and oil tank storage sites. The agency says safety is its top priority. But let's look at the Railroad Commission's track record on improving safety in the wake of a few other accidents that were within its jurisdiction. In 2009, an oil tank exploded in New London, Texas. It killed two people. An investigation by the Chemical Safety Board, again, that's the federal agency that investigates chemical disasters, found there had been half a dozen similar explosions in the state. 
between 1983 and 2011. The agency found that, especially in rural areas, oil storage sites lacked security, warning signs, and safe designs. Teenagers would hang out in those areas, sometimes smoking cigarettes, and accidents happened. In 2011, the Chemical Safety Board recommended the Texas Railroad Commission require more security, better signage, and safer storage tank designs. The Railroad Commission responded to each point with a different argument. Some of the sites where explosions happened already had security gates or signage. And, the commission said, safer tank designs were already being considered by federal agencies. They didn't want to issue regulations that might cause confusion or overlap. And finally, at the time of the letter, there were only seven accidents over about three decades. The Railroad Commission said thanks, but no thanks to the recommendation. But the agency did make one change. One explosion happened at an abandoned oil site. The RRC required that those types of sites be cleaned up. But again, these other recommendations requiring safer tank designs, better signage, more security, those were never fulfilled. But honestly, you want to know what my biggest concern about this agency is? What? The name. Just kidding, but come on, Railroad Commission. Can you believe that our oil and gas and coal mining and uranium mining industry uh, is regulated by an agency called the Railroad Commission? Can you believe that? Dave Cortez is with the Sierra Club in Texas. He also doesn't love the name, but he's more concerned about something else. That the primary oil and gas regulators in Texas are allowed to receive campaign contributions from the industry they regulate. Way back in 2016 and 2017, the Sierra Club and other watchdog groups examined campaign contributions to the railroad commissioners. The big point of the study wasn't necessarily about safety. It examined a handful of cases, and it found campaign contributions from the same companies involved in those cases. The regulators were receiving money from the companies they regulate. But this is legal. Right, right, because these are elected positions. There are three commissioners elected in statewide elections. So back to that study. These cases were focused on earthquakes near areas with heavy fracking and rate disputes for gas utilities. But again, only eight cases. Cortez and other advocates want to see, at a minimum, some campaign finance reform. They get so much money from these agencies that they're supposed to regulate, and that's fine. You know, there's interests and things like that. Cortez wants to limit when companies can donate to commissioners' campaigns. There's nothing to stop them from getting money when they're actually hearing a case about these same companies getting money from those same companies. We'd like to just see that stop at a minimum. The Railroad Commission tells us there are recusal rules in place. But those mostly just apply when a direct financial or familial connection is involved rather than a campaign contributor. So again, when it comes to chemicals, this agency, the Railroad Commission, only regulates that sector, oil and gas. To be sure, it's a really big industry in Texas that does have a history of fires and explosions. But there's a whole world of petroleum byproducts and other chemicals that the RRC doesn't touch. And the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality doesn't consider process safety to be part of its mission. So many facilities that handle dangerous chemicals, like the naphtha that burned at ITC, many of those sites aren't regulated by anyone at the state level when it comes to process safety. And lots of states are like this. Ultimately, the feds hold most of the power when it comes to process safety regulation, preventing chemical disasters. So what, if anything, is the federal government doing to prevent chemical disasters? That's next time on Fire Triangle. These same regulatory gaps that existed in 2013 for ammonium nitrate still exist today. And it is disturbing to me. <laughs> 
I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm furious about it. Uh, you know, uh, they need to make changes. There are a lot of federal agencies involved in chemical safety. What's going on behind the scenes? We immediately called the White House. Did you hear this? And they said, yeah, we just heard it as well. We had no idea this was coming. Fire Triangle is reported and produced by Dominic Anthony Walsh. And Katie Watkins. Our editor is Kitty Isley. Fact-checking by Sarah Sneath. Sound design and music by Jacob Rosati. Special thanks to David Martin Davies, Dan Katz, Dave Failing, Lori Johnson, Laura Isensey, and Report for America, a nonprofit national service organization that places journalists like me in local newsrooms to report on undercovered issues. Fire Triangle is a production of Texas Public Radio in collaboration with Houston Public Media.